Perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. Enabling the payment method is just a first step. The real work happens after payment methods are enabled and uh, needed to have an ongoing process about understanding which payment method give the best return. So this is also the benefit of what we're doing here is that uh, because enable and connect with the one payment method is really a lot of work if the merchant tries to do by themselves. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Commerce. I'm your host, Jay Myers. I have with me today, Wei Young. He is the president and CEO of a company called Sitcon, which we're going to learn a lot about. It's a fascinating company, and they're really enabling worldwide international commerce. They are a leading payment technology that helps the underlying payment infrastructure, which enables, I think, hundreds, but we'll check, of different wallets and alternative payment methods all over the world. And I'm based in North America, and we know of a few, but when you're selling internationally in the world, things are very different. And that's what his company does, is they make selling all over the world, they handle the payment, I guess, challenges, I want to say, and complexities. So Wei, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you give us a quick background, who you are and what's your role and what you do at Sitcon? Sure thing. First of all, thank you for inviting me to this podcast. We are very excited about this partnership. Again, I'm Wei Zheng. I'm a CEO and the president of Sitcon. And so my background is that I have been in the payment industry for the past 10 plus years. So before this venture, I spent most of my time at the Visa and running the Visa as a prepaid product team. So how we started this idea was that we started to notice a few trends, right? Probably everybody also see that is number one, consumers globally wanted to shop globally. So you see the consumers from East Asia or from Southeast Asia or from Latin America, from Europe, they wanted to access the goods and the services from the other countries. So they want to shop everywhere. On the other hand, we also noticed that the merchants also wanted to sell everywhere. So these are the two very important trends that we are seeing happening. And this global cloud infrastructure, mobile usage, it all accelerates that trend, right? So we see that the idea about potentially to build an infrastructure to make that happen easily for both consumers and the merchants. That is the whole idea. And of course, everybody faces a challenge when the merchants go abroad. The Visa and MasterCard penetration rate is not that high, right? That's the whole idea that we're building an infrastructure allowing the both end to complete the transactions as convenient as the people are shopping domestically. There's a lot of challenges shipping internationally. We've got tariffs and duties and taxes and different laws and regulations, but payments and how people pay is a big factor in doing business in different countries. So Sitcon, explain exactly what it is. You help merchants offer I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot of different wallets and different alternative payment methods. Can you explain the exact, what you do for brands when they sell international? So I think number one to what you said here is that we are a payment company, right? We really focus on providing all those local payment methods to the merchant who want to sell globally and to entering the region outside of the US. So we offer more than 150 different payment methods globally now. That does include a lot of very, very popular, right? We are known payment methods such as Kako Pay, PayCo, toss payments from Korea, PayPay, Pay, Line Pay from Japan, 
Jayco Pay from Taiwan. Of course, that everybody, I think most people probably know Alipay, which I pay, and the Union Pay, right? Also, that Alipay Hong Kong from Hong Kong, Dana Gcash from Southeast Asia, GrabPay, right? Also, GrabPay Atomi from Southeast Asia. We also provide the payment methods from Latin America, such as OxoPay, Mercado. Also, that we also support many of the U.S. mobile wallets, such as the PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, Klarna, which is a buy now, pay later. So, if you think about that. Beyond Visa, MasterCard, those global payment schemes, there are a lot of very popular payment methods globally, which are the favorite, right? You know, Visa, MasterCard is the favorite payment method probably in the U.S. However, if you move globally, the favorite methods in other countries may not be Visa, MasterCard because the people have their own way to pay. So this is the, our role in the building this infrastructure, allowing the consumers to shop or the pay in their favorite way, which ultimately will drive up the conversion rate and also lead it toward a more incremental sales for the merchants. That's amazing. We think that credit cards are just accepted everywhere in the world because when you travel on vacations, those types of places take credit cards, but the actual commerce and buying online, like I know in a lot of countries, credit cards represent less than 5%. A lot of it's cash on delivery. It's actually mind-boggling how it's so different country by country. What's behind a lot of these different payment methods? Are they connected to people's banks? Are they connected to local? Are they online banks like a PayPal where people actually deposit into them? Or what are they actually like tied to? That's actually a very good question. I think also depends on the region. Depends on the region is that even those local payment methods can be different. But generally speaking, if you look at that, they are about three to four major categories. The first category, which we are very excited about, is the mobile wallets. The reason why I say that we are very excited because we see that tremendous growth, right? The rapid growth adoptions over the past two to three years. If you look at these are the mobile wallets, which is similar to probably PayPal and Venmo Cash App in the U.S. The adoptions in the APEC countries or in Latin America is way faster. I think a lot of you probably are familiar with like Alipay, which are dominating the Chinese payments now, and 90% plus of all the Chinese payments are conducted by the Alipay, WeChat Pay, and it is similar that the situation happening in Korea, like KakoPay and the PayPay, right? PayPay in Japan, they are also growing dramatically. And India, of course, like Paytm. So all these actually in the mobile wallet side, most of them uh, backend is a store value account, which is similar to PayPal and the Venmo. So the consumers can move the money into that store value account. A lot of them also keep a balance on that because a lot of those accounts similar to Venmo is also getting the money from their friends and their families. And also the then the back end that those mobile wallets, of course, they can be connected with the different funding sources. They can be connected with a bank account or it can be connected with a debit card. So this is the first category, which is the mobile wallets. And you can think about it is the store value accounts. Then the second part of the local payment, we also see is that there are a lot of the local payment schemes that can be the debit card or the local credit cards. And uh, for example, like BC cards in Korea or JCB, probably people are really familiar with and also union pay cards in China. So all these are the local payment schemes and they are not the Visa and the MasterCard. So some of those local payment schemes probably have a deal, for example, with Discover or with Visa routed through those rails. But also keep in mind is, for example, that the union pay cards has a 19-digit card for the debit cards. So if it is only going through 
some of the existing global card schemes, the merchants are not able to accept the majority of union paid debit cards, right? It is also the similar situation with other card schemes. So there's some limitations. That is also another thing that the merchant also want to think about how to have another way to accept the local card schemes. And a lot of countries have its own card schemes. Also, another very, very popular payment we also see is the buy now, pay later. So, of course, everybody knows about Klarna, who is our strategic partner too. And also, after pay is also our partner. So, the buy now, pay later is also becoming very, very popular. But also, in different regions, they also have its own version of the buy now, pay later. And if you go to Singapore, Atomi is very, very popular, also our partner. So, if you go to Indonesia, it has its own buy now, pay later. Go to Japan, have pay later. So it's also become kind of like growing very quickly, right? And in this case, the back end, it's not connecting to a bank account. It is just a different way for the people to pay. Also, another one which we should not ignore is also the local bank transfer and also the potential the cash to online. If you go to Mexico, you have to accept the OXO pay, which will represent 15% of the payment method there. And if you go to Brazil, you have to, actually more than 15%, sorry, that's the number is way higher. I was referring to Bolido, right? In Brazil, which is 15 to 20% of overall spending. Of course, that Mexico has a very popular bank transfer method, which is SPEI, SPEI, which is also our partners. That is really, if you're looking at the last one, is the bank transfer and cash to online also can be important payment method for specific countries. So if you look at that, there is about three to four of those like categories. We are most excited about mobile wallets. Because we see it is growing very fast and also providing good checkout experience. But also at the same time, merchants also should consider the other payment methods locally. It's mind-blowing when you think about it. Like there's got to be amalgamation. There can't be, you'd think in 10 years, 10 different buy now, pay later solutions. Do you see that, the merging and becoming less in the future? What's your outlook? So your question is whether some of the payment methods can be consolidated or that it can be even like becoming more. Yeah. I think also you had a very good point. I think regardless, merchants need to be smart about what to turn on and how to present those payment methods to the consumers, right? Merchants certainly don't want to list every single payment method to the consumers. So it has to be smart about using some potential AI or using some logic behind it. So for example, our recommendation is that if you can provide the right payment, you can provide the right payment message or the applicable, relevant payment message to the consumers based on their IPs or based on the language they choose. Backend also, you should attract the conversion and optimize the different way to present the you know, payment options to them to optimize your result. Also, the, your second question is about, do we see the consolidation or we will see probably more diversified payment method? And certainly we don't have the crystal ball. We probably want the market to tell us. We know a lot of merchants who work with us. They wanted to access multiple payment options and they want to put different payment options with the testing to see which one gives them best result. Then at the same time, you can call this a small rally and can choose which one will have the highest traffic. What a merchant should do, enabling the payment method is just a first step. The real work happens after payment methods are enabled and uh, needed to have an ongoing process about understanding which payment method give the best return. So this is also the benefit of what we're doing here is that uh, because enable and connect with the one payment method is really a lot of work if the merchant tried to do by themselves. Because the backend, we're already integrated with all these. 
so the merchants can turn on and turn off any payment method when they want it. They don't need additional work. And even down the road, when the merchant wants a new payment method, they even can light up even that we don't offer today, we add it later. They don't require more integration work. They can just light up later. They can do just more like on the go. Then it allows them to do more optimization without the extra cost. Right. So hopefully that answers your question. I know that I probably didn't answer. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to, of course, predict. So you only need, just to clarify, if I'm a merchant, I need to just have a connection with Sitcon. I don't need to have all these other gateways, wallets, payment methods. I don't need any accounts with them. I just need with Sitcon and I can turn on or off any of these payment methods or do I also need to have accounts with the individual wallets? So I want to say majority of them, I need to double check all the 150 methods, but I know majority of them. So number one, for the API integration standpoint, 100% you only need to integrate it with account and the one API, you only need to work with the border commerce and the backend that we support the commerce. So you don't need to integrate it again and again. In terms of the contract standpoint, majority of the mobile wallets we're supporting only one contract. So some specific example is that sometimes merchants, when they work with the mobile wallet directly, they may be asked to sign up a mobile wallet for a merchant account for their mobile wallet. It will have a separate reconsideration and the statement process. But when you work with Sitcom, you don't need that. So Sitcom handle all the reconsideration. You don't need to sign up that merchant wallet account, and which will require a separate process. Yeah, let's actually just chat brief. The point of this podcast isn't to promote Bold, but there is an integration here between Sitcon and Bold. And I think it's just worth explaining how that works. So if someone's using Bold Checkout, they have access to Sitcon and they can enable wallets. I know not all of them are currently turned on yet, but more and more going on, but they can enable AliChat, they can enable WePay, but they do need to have a Sitcon account. And then if they're using Bold Commerce, then that just works. Yeah, that's correct. You can say the Sitcon merchant account. That is correct. Yeah, they could theoretically then, like one of the things we support is different checkout flows based off of country and region. So then based off of if they are shopping in the United States, show certain payment methods. But then if they're shopping in Asia, show different payment methods. And what you're saying is you're seeing increased conversion, which I believe, based off of removing payment methods that are not as common and just showing the main ones that they use in certain regions. Yeah. Also, that merchant even can test that by themselves. What I can share some results is that we do see some of those also because some merchants we work with, when we started, we work with them, they only had a global card schemes. For example, they only accept payments from some APEC countries with global payment schemes. We do see their conversion rate is somewhere around 50 to 60% for those cross-border purchases. And after they enable the payment method from local and those mobile wallets and all the payment schemes locally, and their conversion rate included to over 85%. Well, I think there's a, not a misconception, but brands often feel that their relationship with a payment gateway is more important than the customer's relationship with a gateway. And so just because a brand gets a negotiated rate with Visa 1.4 or something like that. This comes up a lot with buy now, pay later. It's like they get a really good rate with a firm. So they just use a firm, but the customer might have an account with Klarna or with Zip or with Sezzle. There's a lot of them. So they're potentially missing out. What's most important is not the rate you get with a specific wallet, but letting your customer who already has a 
you know, if I use PayPal as a customer and I don't see PayPal there, I might abandon my checkout. There seems to be a bit of a shift here where it used to be that, well, because I get better rates with Visa, so I'm not using PayPal, PayPal takes more of a percent. I like this because it's giving control and choice back to the customer. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If the merchant really, this is also the decision made by merchant. If the merchant really believe that I offer whatever payment method, the consumers will just go through all the obstacles and to make complete transaction. Yeah, they're probably right. But actually, the reality is not like that. We issued actually a study recently with the payment.com together. We saw the data from our own merchant and we do see about the 50% increase on the conversion rate, which means 50% increase on the top line. Then the payment.com study showed that across, I think, 1,000 merchants who complete the survey, they believe that the conversion rate can be improved more than 30%. It's a bit lower than the data we saw, but it is still in the similar range. Also, another thing is this, not only the conversion rate is higher, but also at the same time is that because a lot of those wallets don't have the consumer fraud liabilities, meaning that they no charge back. So it means that the risk is also lower. So take Kako Pay or Alipay, WeChat Pay, you know, those like the one example. When a consumer make a purchase and the transaction is authorized and approved, it is a guaranteed payment to the merchant. There's no mechanism for chargeback. Like if a customer doesn't get a product, WeChat and Alipay, they don't have a dispute payment functionality? Disputes only happen if they're the merchant fraud, right? The merchant fraud meaning that the merchant doesn't ship the product out. Okay, yeah. But if you're going through the account takeover, going through the counterfeit, going through those consumer fraud, there is no charge back for that. Interesting. So while a merchant maybe doesn't get as good of a rate, they ultimately might do better because they're going to get less. And there's a lot of fraudulent chargebacks, like where merchants just are too lazy to request a refund. So they go to their bank and just dispute it, their visa statement. It wasn't the color I wanted. And half of the time they just keep the products. So that's a big plus for merchants as well too. Yeah, this also affected the approval rate, right? The reason is that the merchant had a choice. Even I needed to tighten up authorization process, the criteria, which will reduce the conversion rate. All that I just let it go, but ultimately I got a hit on the fraud. But when you enable those payment methods, of the mobile wallets, you don't need to worry about that. You just need to focus on selling your products. What's the most used wallet in the world? So we do have a chart showing that, right? If you think about, the merchant should think about that from two angles. Number one is absolutely the number of the consumers, right, of that wallet. Of course, the number one, not surprised, right? So the top ones are Alipay and WeChat Pay and both, I think that WeChat Pay has a little bit over 1 billion consumers who are using WeChat Pay actively. Wow. Alipay also have another 1 billion. Then if you're going down the list, right? So the Paytm is very popular in India. I don't have the most recent number, but I believe that it is also among the top five. PayPal, of course, right? PayPal has over 200 million. Now probably the number is higher. Even in the US, if you look at the Venmo, it's 60 million active users. It's also pretty high. Cash App, I think, have over 40 to 50 million. PayPay, right? PayPay, I believe they just achieved another record amount and they grow so fast. The number can be dated very soon. So PayPay is the number one wallet in Japan. I think I have about 60 million users. Then KakoPay has somewhere around 30 to 40 million, right? If you think about the penetration rate of KakoPay in Korea, it's very, very high. So these are the named ones. And also there are also quite a few very, very popular wallets, right? In Southeast Asia, such as Gcash, which is the number one, number two wallet in Philippines. Dana is also top one in Indonesia. 
So Apple Pay and Google Pay, they're nowhere near these ones you mentioned? That's a good question. So the Apple Pay and the Google Pay is different. We do not count, especially Apple Pay, right? Is not a store value account. Right. It's Visa or MasterCard, whatever's stored in there. Exactly. It's a token, right? It's just another way to make the Visa and the MasterCard transactions. Gotcha. And where all those other ones you mentioned are, they actually store money in an account. That's store value account, right? So it's similar like a Venmo and the PayPal or Cash App. You also have the app you can open, for example, in the Cash App. You also can use that for other purposes. When a brand is looking to go into a new region or sell internationally, what does the customer experience for someone using Sitcon look like? Do you help consult them on what payment methods they should use? Do you have like partners that help with that? Or if someone, like if a brand is looking to expand, what does that customer experience look like for them if they join on to Sitcon? This is a very good question. So number one is definitely that we have a team that only know the payment message in that region, but also that we know that the local the market demand and local situation, right? So for example, if a merchant or brand want to expand it to APAC, and our team will be happy to work through understanding their needs and give the recommendations. So give you some examples is that, for example, if a cross-border e-commerce want to sell into China, besides the payment method, we also offer other services. For example, we offer custom clearance API. This will allow the merchants not only just to accept payments from second, but also allow them for the faster customer clearance, which is critical for the consumers, you know, good consumer experience. And also that we provide a different device. We also provide suggestions on how you manage the crop because if a consumer resides in China, they might be facing challenges in accessing the website. So in those cases, we always can provide the suggestions. You know, if you go to Korea and they want to sell to Korea, we also can provide support and the suggestions even how to get the traffic from the number one wallet, Kako Pay. So think about that the wallet payment, why the wallet payments we're excited about is not only it's a payment method, it also can help drive the traffic toward your brand. We have done this many times with many of our payment methods, the wallet providers. Interesting. What are some of the biggest challenges you see as brands expand international? I know there's a ton, but what are some of the biggest challenges and complexity that you see they face or they can expect? My experience is where we interact with the many different types of their brands, right? And they also at different stages. So the biggest challenge, number one, is that it is very hard for a brand without international experience to imagine what type of localization needed for them to go into one region. It's not only the payment method, but also that logistics locally and also that there's some other you know, requirements. But also at the same time is that I think many merchants, many brands thought that I just needed to enable global color scheme, I will be able to complete the transaction, right? So that is my goal. So I think a lot of merchants are not aware that the local payment experience outside of the U.S. can be very, very different. So actually one merchant told us that after they enabled the Bolivia from Brazil, they saw an immediate increase on the business. We recently launched it with online e-commerce into Mexico. They enabled the Mercado and Oxo Pay. They told us that they saw conversion rate I think I mentioned some numbers earlier. They see a dramatic increase on the conversion rate. You think about this, like the brands invest a lot of money to do a lot of different things. If the conversion rate is 30, 40% lower, they may even not have a business case to justify their business in that region. Most of our listeners are probably North America based. I know they're from all over, but the majority are. I mean, I know there's considerations for like the products you sell and all that, but all that aside, are there any regions or countries 
you would say strategically that make the most sense to move into first? Like if you are based in North America and someone's thinking about going international and taking everything you know into account, what would be the most strategic place other than product market fit and all that, but more just from payment and regulations? Any thoughts around that? Yeah, absolutely. I think number one, you're right about it. It really depends on what you sell, right? So the goods and services you're selling can determine that which countries are top priorities. Yeah. So this is the first thing. The second thing is that if you look at the spending power from different countries, it is different. So if you are selling, let's say, luxury fashion, beauty, and those type of the products, right? And which North American-based merchants have advantages. In those cases, what do we do see like East Asian countries, like China, Japan, and Korea, will be strategically important for them to sell to. The reason is that those Eastern Asian countries are very big spendings on those categories. We also do see very high number of cross-border sales into those three. They are also average spending per person, right, from those three countries every year is also very high. So meaning that they can afford a high-ticket transactions. Then moving to the other Asian countries, I think that besides those four, I think India also overall spending for cross-border is also catching up, but also another reason because the Indian population is very high. And the average transaction ticket that we see is really very low. So it depends on what you are selling again. And then we do see that in Southeast Asian countries, we do see Indonesia is also the spending power on the cross-border e-commerce is also catching up rapidly in terms of total spending. Then also going to the Latin America side, definitely we do see the strong potential from Brazil, Mexico, a few countries in Latin America. I don't even mention Australia because I know that most of North American-based merchants are selling to Australia. When they go to APEC areas, they probably will think, oh, it's easier for them to sell to Australia because of the language. Right. It's interesting. In America, if you hit a website and if the pricing is not in US dollars, I think the stat is like 78% of people leave the website. Less than 10% of people will buy in America from a website that's not in USD because they're just so used to it. But I'm in Canada. And we are very much used to buying in Canadian dollars or in US dollars. Like that doesn't affect us as much. Do you find some countries like the shoppers are more open to buying internationally? So like they're selling internationally, but as far as the customer base goes, I would say Americans are probably very low on the spectrum of buying internationally. Like pretty much everything is available to them in America. If they see a site from a different country, they're less likely to buy from it because they're concerned about duties and brokerage and customs and everything else. But which countries are maybe the most welcoming or open to buying internationally? I think this is a very good question, right? So this also really relies on how mature those local e-commerce buyers are. The reason I mentioned East Asian country because we do see that if you look at China, Japan, and Korea, and of course, I think Australia is also you know open. I don't really count Australia in this part because a lot of the North American-based merchants already I think cover Australia well. But if you look at the APAC, just from those three Eastern Asian countries, they represent, if my memory is correct, then like a close to 90% or 85 to 90% is the overall e-commerce spending in Asia. So number one is not only cross-border, but domestic spending on the e-commerce is also very high. Because they are very mature on the e-commerce spending, they are much more open to shop globally. So I think that those three countries, to answer the question for APEC area, those three countries are more open to shop globally. And also you have a larger population who are doing that. And also the people who normally shop internationally are more middle class and above. Those three countries also have very big portion of the middle class. 
So this is the reason why the merchants who are working with us, especially on the e-tailer, a lot of them are prioritizing those three countries first when they go into Asia. Now that makes sense. What are you most excited about for the future of Sikon and the company? So you've got 150-ish wallets. What's the future hold? You know, you think once you have every wallet integrated, what else is there? But I'm sure you've got exciting things going on. What are you most excited about for the next like five years of the company? We're still at a very early journey, a very early stage of the journey. So I think we have this vision that the world need a more open payment platform ecosystem beyond just the selected global card schemes. Our goal is really how to make the purchase experience smooth for the consumers, which they feel familiar, secure, and they feel convenient. And on the other hand, we want the merchants really focus on building the business instead of worrying about the low conversion rate fraud when they go globally. We are building this platform and we have a connect or integrated with many payment methods. And in this case, also at the same time, we need to continue to work on how to make those shopping experience and purchase experience very convenient and easy for the merchants. In this case, I think the partnership with Bold is exciting for us because we can bring this service now to a larger base of the merchants. And I think the thing is a lot of the merchants just not aware this is the option, right? So I think it is exciting for us to educate the market and make them understand, realize there is a better way to accept the payments. Absolutely. I'm glad you guys exist because it seems like the world of payments every year seems to get more and more, not confusing, but there's more players. (laughs) More options. There's more options. Yeah. Like never before. Like sometimes you go to a site and the whole screen is full of different payment options. It's overwhelming sometimes. And so not just simplifying that in North America, but across the world. And what I'm excited about is being able to dynamically show the right options to customers based off location and still give them enough option that they can choose which payment method they have a relationship with. Because at the end of the day, it's about the customer feeling safe and having them convert. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. If people want to learn more about your company, where would you like to direct them? And what's the process look like if someone is interested in learning more or getting started? Do they need to book a demo? How does pricing work? What does that flow look like? Yeah, it's a very simple. Can just go to sitcom.com, right? C-I-T-C-O-N.com. I'll make sure I have a link in the show notes as well. To book a demo or just contact us, right? And either call us or send us an email. It has the contact information on our website and then our associates will contact the back immediately. And I assume as far as pricing goes, Sitcon has a price, like it'll fluctuate based off of all the different wallets. And then there's got to be a Sitcon fee on there as well too, but it varies depending on what the wallets charge or how does that work? So the pricing in this case is that Sitcon will provide a merchant discount rate for all these payment methods. Now, the merchant discount rate will be different based on the different payment methods. And the overall is that pretty friendly pricing scheme and no hidden fee. It's a very transparent fee. And overall, also we believe that we are able to save the money for the merchants compared against some kind of schemes, right? Because if you accept the payments internationally, normally the merchant will get ahead of for the cross-border fees, which is somewhere 1% to 1.5%. Yeah. But the local mobile wallets actually will not have their international charges, right? So the fee actually, in many cases, can be lower than what the merchants are getting charged today. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like you probably get better rates with a lot of the wallets and rather than stores going individually to all of them, makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. We do have quite a few merchants who used to work with some payment method directly and switch it to us. Not only because we can provide a one-stop service right to them, but also that we can provide a better economics to them. Awesome. Wei, this has been really fantastic. I think our viewers will get a lot out of it. Thank you so much for coming on our show and then just encourage everyone to check out sitcon.com. I'll have all the links in the show notes as well too. And they are integrated with Bold and with our checkout. And so we'll link to, we have a press release and some information about that as well too. I'll make sure that's linked in there. Wei, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.